Hey, everybody. It is Friday, July 21st. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, I've reversed the angle here in our offices uh, in Brooklyn at WeWork. Uh, we're still waiting for your uh, first appearance here. <laughs> I had some childcare issues this week, uh, but I hope to make an appearance next week. Well, they're totally flexible here. We're very much liking the space. There's a, a whole situation here of a lot of like young startups, uh, which is very cool to be able to collaborate. Uh, and uh, we have a new partnership with WeWork. They're offering a special deal for Mo News listeners, a 20% off deal. You can check it all out via the link in the show notes uh, with the code MoWorks20. Mo works 20. So check that out if you're tired of doing work at your local coffee shop or you need a break from the house. Good energy in, in those WeWorks, Mosh. It's a good, well-lit vibe here in Brooklyn today, <laughs> Jill, as we uh, head into the weekend. By the way, I wanted to note one other thing because I got a few notes from some of the listeners asking about why we don't cover X or Y on a, t- on a specific podcast. Just to let you know, we try our best to cover as much as possible on all of our platforms. So if it's not on the podcast, go check the Instagram feed. If it's on the Instagram feed, subscribe to the newsletter. And if you come back from all three of them and I still haven't covered it, definitely hit me up. Moshe, here on the podcast, I give you full permission to blame me. Because <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Just to give people a little background here, Moshe and I brainstorm all day about what we're going to cover. Um, some days he does the heavy lifting on writing the podcast. Other days I do the heavy lifting. And I am a firm believer in less is more. And I like to keep the podcast as tight as possible. And so that is sometimes why stories um, get cut or not covered here on the podcast. We also try to keep the stories that we can have a conversation about, um, and certainly there's overlap between all of our platforms, uh, and there are times when if I'm running the pod or I have extra time, I'll throw in like two or three or four or five extra stories, and Jill's like, <laughs> how are we going to get to all this stuff? And we sometimes do, and sometimes stuff is left on the edit room floor. And that is when I say to Mosh, step away from the computer. There are times <laughs> when we're waiting to record, um, and I have to maybe run and do something for my kids for, for 10 minutes or so. And I'll be like, Mosh, do not add any more stories, please. <laughs> so shall, shall we get started here, Jill? Yes. And speaking of stories, we have got a lot to cover today. Um, Barbenheimer is here. Barbie and Oppenheimer both open this weekend. And instead of competing, a lot of people are seeing both of them. And speaking of the box office, the indie film Sound of Freedom just crossed the $100 million mark in the United States. Mosh, you saw it this week. Yeah, there are a lot of layers to it, uh, some controversy, and we'll get into it uh, here on the pod, and we've been doing it over on the Instagram account as well. Overseas, protesters set fire to the Swedish embassy in Baghdad. We'll tell you why. As we've been reporting, food prices are finally coming back down, but now the cost of wheat is soaring because of the war in Ukraine. Onto the housing market, sales are down, but prices are still high. What's behind it? An update on the investigation into Tupac Shakur's death, and it turns out Americans aren't having enough fun. We'll explain. I've heard that before, Jill. Uh, you see all the memes going around on European summers being like, I'll get back to you in September. And then American uh, email response, I'm sorry I didn't get to you at 10.57 p.m. I had something to do with my kids. <laughs> and it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. We'll break down what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. See you in the theater, Jill. <laughs> 
Okay, let's start with the big weekend at the box office. We are talking Barbie versus Oppenheimer. It is being called a battle of the bombshells or Barbenheimer, a counter-programming powerhouse capturing the pop culture zeitgeist. So on the one side, we've got Christopher Nolan's three-hour Oppenheimer. It's about J. Robert Oppenheimer and his work on the Manhattan Project. And on the other side, we've got Greta Gerwig's Barbie about... The Barbie doll, as she has an existential crisis and ventures out of Barbie land with Ken to get a taste of the real world. Now, these movies could not be any more different, but they're opening on the same weekend. So now they're kind of synonymous. And instead of competing with each other, there are a lot of people who see them as complimentary and are going to go see both of them. Margot Robbie, who plays Barbie, described it like this. She said, I think it is the perfect double bill. It's like having a steak dinner, then an ice cream sundae for dessert. I want both. Of course, she said this before uh, the actors went on strike, because as part of that strike, uh, actors not able to promote any of their work. Um, But that is kind of what the movie studios are hoping for, that people go and and do a double header. AMC says 40,000 members of its loyalty program have already bought advanced tickets to see Barbie and Oppenheimer as a double feature. Opening day screenings of both films have sold out at Alamo Drafthouse. Independent movie theaters have been offering movie-themed menus and Barbenheimer costume parties. The movies are now tracking to uh, combine for a potential $200 million opening weekend, and that would make it one of the biggest movie weekends since 2019. According to Box Office Pro, the biggest overall weekend at the box office since 2020 was Spider-Man No Way Home back in December of 2021. Uh, that brought in $283 million. And this comes at an important time for the film industry. There were a lot of much-hyped movies that really underperformed. We're talking Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, and Flash. And as I mentioned, it also comes as writers and actors are on strike, which means you shouldn't expect any of the film stars to be doing press around them. Jill, individually, this could be big for both directors. Uh, For Barbie, Greta Gerwig could secure the largest opening weekend for a female-directed film ever. Right now, the record holder is Patty Jenkins, who uh, directed Wonder Woman a few years ago. Uh, Meanwhile, it could be one of the biggest domestic openings for Christopher Nolan as well. Gerwig uh, on team both, telling USA Today last month, please go to both. A rising tide lifts all boats. Jill, looking at the cost of these films, they're going to need uh, big sales. Barbie cost $145 million to make. Oppenheimer cost $100 million, and that's before the marketing, but it appears based on the initial numbers that they should be able to equal or surpass that pretty quickly. Ticket sales in the U.S. and Canada for the year-to-date, about $5 billion. That's down 20% from the same period back in 2019. So we still have not recovered to uh, pre-COVID. But keep in mind, during COVID, that's when so many more people also finally got aboard the streaming train. And so a lot of people, you know, it takes a lot to get them to leave the comfort of their homes and go see a movie. But their hope is that Barbie and Oppenheimer here uh, do the trick. It's not just the studios that stand to make money here. Uh, The whole economy around these films is huge. There have been Barbie pop-ups for weeks leading up to the movie. Hundreds of handmade Barbenheimer t-shirts have already flooded retail sites like Etsy. Barbie parent company Mattel has put on a product marketing blitz with more than 100 brands plastering pink everywhere. Microsoft's Xbox has come up with a Barbie console series. And HGTV has gotten in the mix. Uh, It's hosting a four-part Barbie Dreamhouse challenge 
And then there are all the unofficial collaborators, restaurants across the country offering special pink cocktails. There are apparently, Jill, also some interior decorators that are showing options like vibrant pink backsplashes to barbify your kitchen. Jill, are you still with the gray or are you thinking about the pink? (laughs) The problem is, is pink something that you're going to want to live with, like that bright pink? Uh, Is that something that's going to age well? I don't know. Jill, I feel like this is all publicity. Like, I feel like Mattel is saying you should barbify your kitchen. But if you're an adult, are you barbifying your kitchen? It just feels like a bizarre thing. But you let us know. If you're a Mo News podcast listener looking to barbify your kitchen, send us pictures. We'll talk about them on air. Meanwhile, Marie Claire reports that sales of scrunchies, a Barbie signature, have jumped by more than 1,000%. Blonde hair dye up 47%. Leotards up 12%. And Jill, you're in luck. High ponytails are back in fashion now, too. Which goes to the theory that if you stick with something long enough, it eventually comes back around and uh, will be cool. So I was ahead of the trend here. Jill, do you have your tickets for either film yet? I don't. And my question about the Barbie movie is, who is it for? Is it something Mm. that I can take my four-and-a-half-year-old daughter to I've heard some mixed things. Jill, I'm seeing that it's rated PG-13. How old is Alex right now? Four and a half. <laughs> so officially, <laughs> officially, they've determined that no. Uh, but, you know, as a parent, you have discretion. I think so much of it will be over her head, you know, in terms, I don't yeah. know what kind of references there are. Uh, I think that's a movie maybe I'll watch first and then decide if I want her to watch it. I'm reading here, we can include a link to this people story of how they came up with the PG-13 uh, storyline, but apparently there are some, quote, heavy themes, according to People magazine, uh, addressed in the movie, hence the PG-13 rating instead of the G. Got it. Speaking of heavy themes, Mosh, uh, Sound of Freedom, the sleeper box office hit, just crossed the $100 million mark at the domestic box office. The film's been out for about two weeks, a little bit more. It's doing particularly well in the middle of the country and also in the South. So this movie is being billed as a political thriller. It's about Tim Ballard. He was working as an agent for the Department of Homeland Security and then went out on his own to try to bring child traffickers to justice. And Moshe, again, you just saw this film. So tell us about it. Yeah. So uh, given all the attention it's been getting, all the questions we've been getting about it, and given some of the controversy about it, uh, felt uh, obligated to head to the theater this week to go check it out. Uh, It's also a story we covered, actually, during my time at CBS News, which I didn't initially remember. But the Tim Ballard story, he was a DHS agent uh, who then went out on his own. And this movie depicts his story of heading to Colombia on this mission, effectively, to uh, free children from child sex trafficking. The film is based on his storyline, though they do take some Hollywood-like liberties with the film. Even Ballard admits that they make him look like this uh, Batman-like hero in the film. And it doesn't exactly depict every specific thing that he did. They had to kind of merge characters and come up with a, a more compelling action plot line. But the movie still stays true to the larger issue, which is uh, the scourge of sex trafficking worldwide, uh, human trafficking writ large, but specifically child trafficking, which remains a big issue, according to the State Department, the UN, etc. And their goal in making this film was to draw attention to it. So the main character here is Tim Ballard. He worked in the U.S. government and then went out on his own, eventually returning 
to work on a task force under President Trump. Uh, he runs an organization or ran an organization, I should say, called Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, he compares himself to Harriet Tubman and people who were uh, saving people on the Underground Railroad uh, back in the 1840s and 50s from slavery. He says this is just the modern version of that. He recently, though, left Operation Underground Railroad in recent weeks and another organization under sort of suspicious, mysterious circumstances. There are also questions as to Operation Underground Railroad and what they actually did versus what they claim to have done. They claim to have saved thousands and thousands of kids. Some of their work cannot be verified. And so there are questions about the organization and a Ballard here, which uh, goes against the backdrop of the film. So there's the film itself, true story, you know, uh, based on a true story, I should say. Then there's Ballard, who has made it his life's mission uh, to do this with some questions around that. Uh, he did work for Trump. As we know, anything Trump is divisive. Trump actually had a screening for the film at his Bedminster resort this week. Uh, and he made a point of saying, you know, this is a great film and they didn't want you to make this. And that's been a big argument here is none of the major studios wanted to, uh, say yes to the film. Uh, we should note that's not uncommon. Studios say no to 99% of films. But it's been depicted by some as a conspiracy by the studios not to make this film. So this film was produced independently by this uh, organization, Angel Films. What I found remarkable, Jill, at the end of the movie, you get a message from the main actor who depicts Ballard, this guy named Jim Caviezel, who we'll just address in a second, who actually addresses the audience saying, you need to make sure that other people see this. Here's a QR code. Hold up your phones right now in the theater scan the QR code and uh, pass it along. See if you can buy a ticket, 10 tickets, 100 tickets for people who can't afford to come to this um, movie. And that I found unique. And so that's apparently unique technology that Angel Films has. And I hadn't ever seen that uh, in a movie theater before. That's really interesting. And I wonder if we're going to see other films try that technique. It's been very successful uh, in this case. And so you have the film, you have the politics, you have the Trump Association, and then you have the QAnon factor. And this is where you've seen some headlines, especially from sort of left-leaning publications like Rolling Stone and uh, a few others that have been depicting this as a QAnon film. Now, having watched the film, it is not a QAnon film, but QAnon, the whole conspiracy theory, revolves around human trafficking and child trafficking. A huge proponent of that theory is a guy by the name of Jim Caviezel, who may happens to be the main actor depicting Tim Ballard in this film. You might remember Caviezel. He was Christ in Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. Uh, and Caviezel has some very, very extreme, controversial, conspiratorial uh, views when it comes to global elites and banks uh, involved in uh, running things around the world. Uh, also, he ascribes to the belief that the people who traffic children are drinking their blood to stay young. Some of this stuff, again, is in the far reaches of the QAnon circle. But the issue people have is Jim Caviezel is in the film, and these are his personal opinions. So there's an association there around trafficking. So the unfortunate thing here is, you know, this is a real issue, right? The State Department says that there are 28 million people around the world who are being trafficked uh, for labor, uh, child soldiers, uh, and unfortunately, sex trafficking as well. Uh, it's an issue that people want to donate to that really tugs on people's heartstrings. But then you have the politics here, the questions about Ballard's organization and Caviezel's personal views. You add that all up 
And that's why you've probably heard so much commotion about this and so much controversy about this. And you have the people kind of going to their sides. Needless to say, it's made for a lot of publicity for this film. And most, you did a deep dive on this film on the Mo News Premium Instagram account uh, for anybody who's thinking about signing up. Yeah, as you say, Jill, we got range. We've done deep dives on the Israel-Palestinian conflict, <laughs> the UN, uh, the, the U.S. budgeting process, and based on all the requests, Sound of Freedom. So you can go sign up for Mo News Premium over at mo.news slash premium. Right now, we're offering a free month if you type in code Mo News Trial, or separately, if you sign up for the uh, annual subscription, you get two months free. Okay, now let's get to our sponsors this week, starting with Bowl and Branch. We often talk on this podcast about all the forever chemicals and bad stuff that's in our food and drinking water. But did you know that most bedding is actually made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, and toxic dyes? I, for one, did not. Well, Bowl and Branch is uh, doing it better without all those chemicals. Bowl and Branch makes luxury sheets without any toxins or harsh chemicals. They use 100% organic cotton. Their sheets get softer with every wash. Most, you and I both have Bowl and Branch sheets, and I could tell you that is really true. I remember when you first said that, that they get softer the more you wash them, and I thought, Okay, sure. Uh, but I can attest that they actually do. Also, with this hot weather, they're breathable and perfect for the heat. They are loved by millions of sleepers. They come in 10 colors in all sizes. And uh, best of all, Bolin Branch offers a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. Right now, for the Mo News community, you could shop their annual summer event. Use the code MONEWS to get 20% off today at BolinBranch.com. That is Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-Z, branch.com. The promo code is MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S. Exclusions do apply, so see the site for details. All right, we also want to thank one of our longtime sponsors, Athletic Greens, as well this week. We're always talking about health trends, food trends, how hard it is to get all your nutrients these days. Well, one way to get all the important ones is through Athletic Greens AG1 powder. I first tried AG1 last year when I was having trouble getting all my nutrients, Jill. I had vitamins I took in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening. Well, AG1 simplifies all of that. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, it's quick, it lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics to support your digestion and gut health. And right now they have a special deal for the Mo News community with your first purchase of AG1. Athletic Greens is offering all of you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit drinkag1.com slash monews. That is drinkag, the number one, dot com slash mo news to take advantage of the offer it's an opportunity for you to really start to take ownership over your health okay time now for the speed read from cnn global inflation is finally coming down but heightened geopolitical tensions could mean that food is about to get a lot more expensive wheat futures soared by nearly nine percent this week and are on track to hit their highest level in three weeks as tensions in Europe rise following Russia's surprise decision to pull out of a crucial deal allowing the export of grain from Ukraine. Corn futures also up about 2% as traders feared an impending supply crunch. 
on these staple foods. The White House and most other countries around the world have said that that deal was critical to bring down food prices around the globe, which spiked after Russia first invaded Ukraine last February. Wheat prices are still down more than 50% from the all-time high that they reached in March of 2022. And so the collapse of this deal is going to have repercussions uh, far beyond the region to Africa to South Asia uh, and around the world. Before the war, Ukraine was the fifth largest wheat exporter globally, accounting for 10% of exports. That has taken a hit during the war as Russia's invaded, occupied certain territory, uh, taken people who were farming, who now have to become soldiers or who have become refugees from their land. Uh, Meanwhile, since this deal has collapsed, Russia has been launching multiple strikes on Odessa and other Ukrainian port cities. The foreign affairs chief for the European Union condemned the Russian strikes on grain storage facilities, specifically in two of the cities, saying they've burned more than 60,000 tons of grain. Jill, the State Department is also chiming in here, saying that it is quite clear to everyone in the world right now that Russia is using food as a weapon of war, not just against the Ukrainian people, but against all people in the world. A spokesperson continues that it's going to especially impact the most underdeveloped countries in the world who depend on grain. Uh, Jill, going back to covering the Arab Spring, the uprisings uh, more than a decade ago in the Middle East, one of the big issues that led to the uprising in Egypt was the price of bread, the street bread that you buy in Egypt. And so these have real world impact. When we talk about wheat prices, uh, it may seem you know, sort of like, why does that impact me? But it impacts tens of millions around the world. And then that impact, the lack of food or the price of food, then impacts the economy and then the politics and then potentially leads to war. So that is why people are taking this issue so seriously. From the BBC, protesters set fire to the Swedish embassy in Baghdad. Hundreds of people have stormed Sweden's embassy in Iraq, scaling the walls of the complex and torching the building. They were protesting the second planned burning of the Quran in Sweden in under a month. Iraq has also ordered the expulsion of Sweden's ambassador. Swedish officials condemned the attack on their embassy. They confirmed that all the staff were safe. A recent string of public desecrations of the Quran by a handful of anti-Islam activists in Sweden has sparked this reaction in Iraq and across the Muslim world. And it's raised questions, including in Sweden, why such acts are allowed. There is no law in Sweden that prohibits the burning or desecration of the Quran or any religious text. For that matter, like many Western countries, Sweden does not have any blasphemy laws. And so that is what has led to this Iraqi man in Sweden uh, who uh, on Thursday stomped on and kicked the Quran outside the Iraqi embassy in Stockholm uh, last month. He burned a Quran outside a mosque in a similar protest that was approved by the police, because again, they don't have laws against that there. And this is something we saw earlier in the year, uh, Jill. There was a uh, far-right activist in Denmark who carried a similar stunt outside the Turkish embassy in Stockholm. You know, we've told you about Sweden's struggles to get into NATO. Well, that incident was one of the reasons they couldn't get into NATO because the Turkish government was upset about the Quran burning. So these individuals having some real geopolitical impact here with these uh, demonstrations. All right, back here in the U.S. from CNBC, June home sales dropped to the slowest pace in 14 years as a short supply chokes the market. Home sales were about 19% lower compared with last year, which is the slowest sales pace for June since 2009, according to the National Association of Realtors. The continued weakness in the housing market is not for a lack of demand. It's all about a critical shortage of supply. There were just about a million homes for sale at the end of June, and at the current sales pace, that 
means that there's about a three-month supply. Experts consider a six-month supply uh, to be balanced between buyer and seller. The chief economist at Realtors is saying, quote, there are simply not enough homes for sale. The market can easily absorb a doubling of inventory. And that dynamic is really keeping pressure on home prices. The median price of an existing home sold in June just last month was just over $410,000. That's the second highest price ever recorded. Last June's price back in 2022 was the highest, but barely by 1% over this past June. Jill, that's all despite the fact that the 30-year fixed mortgage is just about 7.5%. So despite these high interest rates, people are still able to charge this much because of this lack of inventory. The chief economist at Realtors saying home sales fell, but home prices have held firm in most parts of the country. Limited supply is still leading to multiple offer situations, with one third of homes getting sold above the list price in the latest month. If you thought that this was going to end during COVID, this continues. I was talking to a friend last week and actually at Alex's baby shower who said that they were successful in buying a home in Connecticut and they were one of more than two dozen offers. They're going up against 24 plus offers for a home and we're sitting here in 2023 with this situation. So prices are high, interest rates are high, inventory is low. And so the people most impacted by that right now, Jill, are first time buyers. They're struggling. Their share of June sales fell to 26%. That's down from 30% last June. That's the lowest share since realtors began tracking that metric. The higher end of the market appears to be recovering. But again, all, all the factors here show that there'll be no let up anytime soon in the housing market. All right, we're also learning more about the developments into the investigation into Tupac Shakur's murder decades ago. From NBC News, Nevada police executed a search warrant in the murder investigation of Tupac on Monday, looking for laptops and other electronic devices at the home of a gang member who said that he was in the car when Tupac was shot and killed in Las Vegas back in 1996. NBC News got exclusive access to that search warrant. 60-year-old Dwayne Keith Davis, also known as Keefy D or Keffy D, was the target of the warrant out of Clark County. Las Vegas police also searched desktops and other electronic storage devices such as thumb drives, CDs, external hard drives, and audio recordings. According to the warrant, Keefe D. Uh, Davis was affiliated with the Southside Compton Crips street gang, and he had been vocal about his involvement over the years. Davis was one of four people who Las Vegas police say was in the suspect's vehicle when Tupac was killed in that drive-by shooting near the Vegas Strip. The alleged shooter was Davis's nephew, Orlando Anderson. He later died in a gang-related killing in L.A. just a couple years later. Now, given we're talking about an investigation that is 27 years old here, Davis was investigated by the LAPD and the Las Vegas PD. He initially denied involvement in Tupac's killing, but later gave police details about the case under a limited non-prosecution agreement. Jill, when we first posted about this story a couple days ago, many people said, you know, I thought this was solved. It was Orlando Anderson. A couple of the documentaries uh, have addressed Anderson's uh, likely involvement here, but it appears that the police uh, have decided that they're still going to look for, you know, something firm here before closing the Tupac investigation. From the New York Post, a Powerball player in California won that massive $1.08 billion jackpot, the lottery game's third largest prize. The winning numbers were 7, 10, 11, 13, 24, and the red Powerball, 24. The winning ticket was sold at Las Palmitas Mini Market convenience store in downtown L.A., 
Wednesday night's win comes after 39 drawings without a jackpot winner dating back to April 19th when a ticket holder in Ohio won 252.6 million bucks. Jill, as we've been saying, uh, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than you were to win the grand prize here. The odds were one in 292 million. It marks the third time that someone in California has won at least a billion dollars through Powerball. Uh, Jill, I was watching the coverage in local LA from Las Palmitas Mini Market when it first opened. Uh, and the owner there, this guy named Nabor Herrera, uh, he learned for the first time that because he sold the ticket, he gets a million dollars for his convenience store, uh, which was uh, great news to him. He's hoping to expand his business. And he was saying that for the most part, it's only locals uh, in that part of downtown LA that uh, come to that market. So uh, we'll wait to see if we find out the identity of that person. But if you were unlucky like the rest of us when it comes to Powerball, <laughs> Mega Millions jackpot still has not been won. That jackpot has now risen to above 720 million. And the next drawing is set for tonight. Okay. And from Axios, we are not having enough fun, even if we think we are. Americans are increasingly spending precious leisure time scrolling on our devices or flipping through TV channels. But here's the spoiler. Those activities might not really be all that enjoyable. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, finding time for real fun can be powerful for health and happiness. According to Catherine Price, the author of The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again, three active ingredients bring us fun. Playfulness, which is lightheartedness that allows you to do things in everyday life just for the pleasure of it. Connection, the feeling of having a special shared experience with another person. And flow, the state of being fully engaged and focused, often to the point that you lose track of time. Jill, that seems to me like my time on my device, to be honest with you. But I guess according to, <laughs> according to Catherine Price, that is not the case, that our devices do not offer those things. It's important to put those devices down and really experience playfulness, connection, and flow. She dubs what we all do online all day as, quote, fake fun. Her tip via Axios is to think about the last experience, think about it really deep, when you had some real fun. Maybe it was playing a long board game. Maybe it was taking a walk barefoot. And then try to schedule it into your life. Planning the fun doesn't have to make it less fun, according to, again, the author of The Power of Fun. So the reason that I wanted to include this story today was because I started to think about the last really fun thing that I did. And I say I usually know I'm having fun when I have my phone away, when I'm not thinking, yeah. oh, is anyone texting me or let's take a picture of this. The best nights are the ones where you have no pictures. And that's something to remember if you're getting kind of FOMO on Instagram. If people are really having fun, are they stopping to take pictures of themselves? Probably not. But anyway, this forced me to really think about myself and when is the last time I really had kind of like good old fashioned fun, the type that she is describing. And I recently got into golf and I think it was the last time I played a round of golf. I was very present. I was enjoying it. I felt like I was I was hitting pretty well. So that is maybe the last time I had some some real fun. I mean, I feel very lucky. I, I feel like I have fun almost every day, Jill, but like genuine, <laughs> I guess like last experience, like real fun. I think you're right. I think it's it, it's away from electronic devices, right? It's experiencing people. It's having a really deep conversation. Over the weekend, some of you may have noticed I didn't post anything on the Instagram account on Sunday. I spent the whole day, I, I mean, until we recorded the podcast that night, Jill, like off my phone. 
um, you know, engaged with people, catching up with people. Um, and once I get past that initial stage of anxiety, because I'm away from my device, it, it becomes genuine fun. So, um, you know, I think we can all push ourselves to spend less time on devices, go old school, go analog. Um, and I think this is a good exercise for all of us, which is take a second, think about the last time you have fun and start to really try to incorporate that. Now we all have responsibilities and jobs and this, that, and the other thing, but, uh, you know, give yourself a chance to have fun once in a while. That doesn't involve kind of mind numbing electronics. Speaking of fun, it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. Time for what we are watching, reading, and eating. Moshe, I'll let you kick it off. What are you watching? So I think Alex right now is looking for tickets for the Barbie movie. So if we can get tickets to the Barbie movie, I'll be watching that. Also, this weekend, the Women's World Cup has started in New Zealand and Australia, and the U.S. women will be playing their first game at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. Jill, what do you got? I think I'm going to check out that new documentary about Steph Curry. It's called Underrated on Apple TV+. Plus. Basically about how he proved the critics wrong. Um, and, and we know that he's one of uh, the best basketball players of all time. Jill, there's so much out there. I mean, even with the uh, writer's <laughs> strike and actor's strike. So I'm like, oh, this sounds great. I'm going to put this on my list. Thanks for bringing that up. The beauty of it is that it's just a documentary. You don't have to commit to like a 10-part series. <laughs> it's it's, probably, it's just, just a couple hours of your life. And it seems to be slightly less controversial than Sound of Freedom. As, uh, as things that happen in real life. So also I'm probably true. not going to have to do a deep dive on Instagram about it. So sign me up. All right. What are you reading? Jill, I'm reading Daily Dad. That's the book by Ryan Holiday. He's the New York Times bestseller who we had on the pod a couple months ago, author of Daily Stoic. Also pretty ubiquitous on social media. And the way the book is organized, and this is what I love about Daily Stoic and Daily Dad, is it doesn't feel overwhelming with tons and tons of chapters. Literally, there's a message for every day of the year. And it's one page. Uh, totally manageable, and it you know uh, is based on history uh, and provides you know interesting advice, inspiration, and, and, and thoughtfulness. What are you reading? So I'm reading The Personal Librarian by Marie Benedict. It's a historical fiction. It came highly recommended from one of my good friends, Jill. Wait, and you I, have a friend named Jill? I haven't heard about <laughs> other Jill. <laughs> I actually have a few friends named Jill, and it's not—it's not a common name for for people kind I'm, of in my I'm generation. I'm still looking for my first Mosh, uh, though we do have Mo from the Gala podcast, but I'm I'm looking for another Mosh at some point. <laughs> Which was the first time I was on a podcast with Mo and Mo, so I appreciated that. Um, but yes, anyway, this is called the Personal Librarian. It is historical fiction. Um, this coming from Amazon. It's about J.P. Morgan's personal librarian, a Black American woman who was forced to hide her true identity and pass as white in order to leave a lasting legacy that enriched our nation. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I've heard great things. Jill, that sounds really interesting. Jill, have you been to the J.P. Morgan Library and Museum uh, over in Manhattan? I have not, um, but I am assuming because you're asking that you have been. Of course I have, Jill. Come on. <laughs> a historical thing that I haven't been to. I've been to the J.P. Morgan Library. It's actually very cool to see it. It actually... Uh, is where one of his homes existed. He remember he was the richest man in the world when the Federal Reserve didn't exist. Uh, literally, the president had to call him to bail out the country multiple times. So, Jill, I think after you finish the book, you need to go check out the library over on Madison Avenue. Okay, Mosh, what are you eating this weekend? Jill, when my mom came to visit last weekend, she actually brought uh, Garrett's uh, caramel corn. So I haven't had popcorn in a long time. Hoping to have some if I go to Barbie or Oppenheimer. But uh, caramel corn really hit the spot. 
And as I was preparing my thoughts for this podcast, I was uh, I was finishing my last bag. Jill, what are you eating while watching that Steph Curry documentary this weekend? <laughs> Homemade yogurt popsicles. So I've been making these for my son, basically just plain Greek yogurt blended with fruit. And so I've been doing frozen cherries and also fresh banana. I made them originally for him and I like to try his food first to see if it's any good before I give it to him. And I'm like, this is phenomenal. So <laughs> I'm making them for the fam. Jill, out on Long Island, you're starting to give Ina Garten a run for her money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those homemade popsicles. I'm a regular <laughs> chef here. All right, Mosh, that is a wrap. We want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. So grateful for all of you who have joined Mo News Premium. So grateful for all of you, frankly, whether you've joined Mo News Premium or not. Um, I'm feeling just thankful on this Friday, Jill. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Stay cool out there. And again, don't visit Death Valley. I mean, if you listen <laughs> to yesterday's podcast, the climate change tourism has got to end. I was thinking about that all day. Who are these people? <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.